And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, and I'm sad. Joined by Ari Wasserman. I don't know how you feel about the fact that Tate Martell is retired from football, but I'm pretty beat up about it. All I know for sure is that business ventures, I think he's going to be successful. What do you think those business ventures are going to be? Just posing with your shirt off on Instagram? Pretty good business. I Not think that it. if we could learn anything from the NFL head coaching trend, being handsome and being able to take a shirtless picture with a Justin Bieber sleeve is going to be good for business. Are you saying that Tate Martell is going to coach the Arizona Cardinals? <laughs> I think the results would be close to the same. <laughs> yeah, Cliff Kingsbury sucks. Uh, yeah, Tate Martell has retired from football. Uh, this from from a reporter out in Vegas named Joe Arrigo. Tate Martell is retired. He's going to focus on business ventures. And Joe predicts that those business ventures will blow up. We'll see. Hope it works out for him. I'm sad he's not playing anymore. Sad he never got a the shot. The reporter who reported that said that the business ventures are going to blow up? Keep an eye on what Tate has going on business-wise. It's about to blow up. Oh. Actually, you know what he should do? He should get in on this Cardale Jones, Brian Schottenstein NIL deal that they're doing with the Ohio State players. Let him let him be a face of it like Cardale. I would do that job. If somebody wanted to be like, Ari, you can broker the NIL deals. I think I would do. I think I could do that job. That's a great job. There's a whole cottage industry. If that's industry, actually so going to be a position, like if they're going to be employed, yeah. like there's nobody better on earth. You to think? Do it for you Ohio think? State the, you, think they're, Jones. you think they're not going to make money off this themselves? Of course they are. Yeah, it's about get, getting the get the bucks go to players and putting a little bit of cash in your own pocket too. That's never a bad thing. I don't. Yeah. Knock, I don't knock them for it. It's a business. Yeah, Cardale Jones is going to be living the dream. The GM of Ohio State football, Cardale Jones. Mike Pantone might have something to say about that. He might. He might have one or two things to say but about that. But I guess it's a good segue into what we're going to talk about today, because if you want to come up with bullshit titles, then we can talk about that all day, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are titles titles certainly flying around. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Ohio State's remade coaching staff. And we also, um, I went back earlier today, recording this on Tuesday, and looked up all the over-unders that we predicted at the start of the year. So Shout out I, to the person who reminded us, because yeah, we would have forgotten. I, I would have forgotten. I don't I, know about you. I meant to go back and look and forgot to look up who that person was to give them a proper proper shout-out for it. But, uh, yeah, I went back and looked them all up. There were 17 of them. 
neither one of us finished with a uh, winning record there, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun to go back and look at it. We actually neither of us neither of us got more than half of them right. Uh, no, we actually finished with the same record, but we got different ones right and wrong. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So at least I won't look like a jackass. No, we'll, we'll go also down, we'll go the down uh, the person who um, reminded us his uh, handle is. Dan underscore Dan underscore Dan underscore Dan. Oh, yeah. Dan, Dan, and Dan, Dan, His Dan, Dan. title is Dan, 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 Dan. So I, I think his name is Dan. Shout out to Dan. We appreciate Shout out you. to Dan, 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 Dan. Because I would have forgotten about that. So thank you for that, Dan. We'll, we'll do that uh, at the end of the show. We'll talk We'll talk about the... the awesome blazer he's got on in this picture, too. Is it it's nice? Like, what color is like it? It's like gold in Paisley. I, th- I don't know. Love that for him. That looks like... That, I'll send that picture to you. Maybe I'll wear it at my wedding. That sounds nice. I'm looking looking forward to that. Maybe I'll wear it to your wedding. We can match. Best man typically matches the groom anyway, right? So I made a decision that, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> totally, you and totally. Mike can fight over who's uh, who's officiating the wedding. If, if you want. If oh, you I don't want to do that. that. I don't want to do that. Well, you don't want to be the center of attention? No. Um, I decided that I'm going to drive from Dallas to Laguna Beach for my wedding um, because we're going to be out there for a week and a half and I want to have a car. And I also want to just have like two days of pre-wedding solitude out on the road in El Paso. And I wouldn't be against you joining me for that, but then you'd have to break the news to Leah that she's flying, and I don't want you to not have a bride to be yourself. So we uh, we'll talk. I could gain <laughs> six pounds on my way to the wedding. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk off air. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we, we can get that squared away. People helping people. people okay. Helping people. All right. Uh, Ohio State has four new assistant coaches, uh, two of which we've talked about. On this podcast, Jim Knowles, we talked about a lot. Justin Fry, we talked about last time we had a show. Uh, two new hires since then, and I realize this news is not, is not by this point, almost a week old. Uh, Tim Walton from the NFL, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, former Ohio State player, will be the secondary cornerbacks coach. And Perry Iliano, who was the cornerbacks coach at Cincinnati last year, the last two years, is going to be Ohio State's new safety coach. So three new defensive assistants, including a new coordinator. Larry Johnson still around. One new offensive assistant to coach the offensive line, replacing Greg Studrawa. Sauce. Sauce Gardner. I just uh, want to say sauce. That's yeah. the one thing that we're going to get to do any time we're talking um, about Eliano. So the thing I want to know more than anything, before we go into this deeper, Bill, is hiring somebody from the Jacksonville Jaguars the Urban Meyer umbrella? It's not. No, somebody okay. <laughs> somebody asked me that in the comments to my story. It's not. does not qualify. Uh, Tim, Wal- okay. Tim Walton was there before Urban got there, and he was there after Urban left. <laughs> after for however, however many games it was. Uh, so, no, that is not that is not a, a, a piece of, know, of, the urban, of the Urban tree. No, I get it. I get it. Well, I, I guess you have to ask the same question about Justin Fry, because Justin Fry was a GA for Florida when Urban was there. But I don't really count that either, because Urban doesn't know who the GAs are, unless you're – never mind. Um, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> Dude, you are, you are on one today. No, I just don't – I was going to make a joke that I don't want to make. Um, I think you made it, just so you know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, okay. okay. So this is – I wrote a story about this that was on The Athletic earlier this week. Earl this, Bruce's grandson. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to finish it for you because I didn't. I, I want if I wanted ninety nine percent of people. Uh, most people probably got it, but I wanted to make sure the last one percent was along for the ride. Thank you. Because you're, you're not. It's not often that you're in this mood. I can feel a little a little extra juice coming from that side of the microphone. But am I off on something? No, no, today? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hot. No. Sometimes I just start to make a joke and then I realize I shouldn't make it, so I stop myself. But now you know you finished. This is it. a podcast. This is the correct forum. Yeah. Yeah. And what's going to happen? Is Zach Smith going to call me fat on Twitter? <laughs> like, it's fine. Yeah. So, so some someone will tweet at him to make sure he heard it. I'm sure, because that's the thing that grown men do on Twitter is tattletale on each other. Um, this is the most coaching staff turnover in a year where Ohio State has not also made a head coaching change since 1994. This is a lot. I'm not saying it wasn't warranted, needed, necessary moves made by Ryan Day. I think I think everyone agrees that they were. But I, part of me feels like the discussion about this is like, oh, man, Ryan Day made some aggressive moves. I love these hires. He did a really good job. And it's like, yes, he did. But he had to make them because he screwed up the last time. And it's like, I don't think you get to do this more than like once or twice. 
totally reshape yeah, your staff because you made mistakes. It's not reshaping your staff because like, oh, we were good and people it's like what coached Harbaugh our did last year. It's it's not all that different. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, usually, and this is the the craziest part about this bill is that usually, um, coaches do this the year before they think they're getting fired. Yeah, and Ryan Day's not in that position, but right. I think he also he sensed the urgency at hand that they weren't good enough. It's and it's quite crazy to say like they weren't good enough. Like they were the national championship two years ago. Um, Bill, do you remember they were not good the in the Michigan game when I said this was going to result in major changes in the program and I got roasted? Yeah, because I think people misunderstood you that you were talking about head coaching changes. Okay, I just like I think about that a lot, and it just like. Yeah, if people thought I meant Ryan Day's going to get fired, then I get I would be upset too. But like anybody who's been following Ohio State at any point in the last ten years, this isn't a victory lap. It's just victory lap. It's a reality check. Knew that the way that that season went, that the coaching staff was going to be very different next year. And it is, and it is. But it's like a weird. It's a weird balance because you're right, Bill. You can't get credit as a coach for re overhauling your staff or redoing your staff when the reason why it needs to be redone is because you didn't hire the right staff the first time. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think you get some, I, I will say this uh, one. I kind of, I kind of like what Ryan day did here Two, I like that. He went like very much outside for all these hires, except for Justin Fry. who was a previous relationship with, but like Justin Fry has no ties to Ohio state other than that. And Walton um, and the Jaguars. Yeah, that's not a thing though. I mean, he's from—he was a former Ohio State player, but I actually—I'm just needling. I'm going to needle you with it. I, I count that as a, as a positive. Um, yeah, they needed more of them on the. I mean, yeah, we can get into that too. Yeah. but that's a good thing. Yeah. So like, I I don't I don't want the 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 tenor of this to lead people to believe that like I don't I don't like this staff makeup. I actually kind of do. Um, it's just that like remember how we got here <laughs> before everyone's like, oh yeah, we did it. It's like yeah, you did it, but like you should have did it two years ago. And in the meantime, you lost to Michigan. Didn't make the playoff. Didn't win the Big Ten. Can I ask you this? And you, I mean, I guess it's easy in hindsight with twenty twenty vision, right? But was what happened in the Alabama game should it have been enough? I think it was really hard because that season was so strange. And I said that at the time, like um, I didn't, I didn't like, I, I did not. I guess first guess would be the word, not second guess. First guess the Kerry Combs hire um, when Ryan Day first made it. And I understood the idea of wanting to stick with it after how weird that 2020 season was. So, like, I'm not going to pretend like – I'm not going to say I told you so because I, I wasn't saying that before. So, I don't know. I could have gone either way, but, like, I get sticking with it because of the, the disjointed nature of that entire year. But I guess also, too, when I, if I put myself back into the suite in Cabo that I recorded that podcast from. Love that. Um, also, where my my – my daughter became into existence uh, <laughs> during an Ohio State national champ. Not during, but you know, you know what I mean. I wasn't aiming. Um, Shout out to Tom Herman. The, yeah, the entire point of that at that point was that it didn't go well. We know what needs to be fixed. We got exposed at the highest possible stage. Go into the off season and fix it, and like nothing happened. Which I guess you can't predict at that time but it still doesn't make sense that nothing really changed you know what i mean and it's like i guess that that doesn't mean staff turnover just means a re litigation of how they were going to want to go about their views of the defense right and it's just kind of like they got exposed by alabama on the national stage and then the next year it was kind of like well that didn't really happen you know and Mm -hmm. there were changes you know they made some you know small changes and but, like, I just, too, it just kind of makes you think, like, if a coach and their scheme doesn't work or gets exposed the way that it was. And it wasn't just – it was it was an ass-kicking. Can you really adapt enough to be that different? Like, how many mm-hmm. coaches can adapt that much? Like, Nick Saban and then who else? Right. And Nick Saban isn't adapting. The people he hires are the ones who's adapting. And I don't know. Maybe you can make the case, too, that Alabama continues to be ahead of the curve because their coaches leave so frequently that they keep hiring forward-thinking guys every year. That's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't either. But their, their their constant staff churn is actually a positive for them because it's nothing but new ideas. <laughs> yeah. And then all the while, the head coach absorbs all of them like a sponge. Interesting. I think that you can make a case that 
and I don't know if you would go down this road with me, but that staff turnover every two years would be better than having the same staff in place for 10 years straight. I get behind that idea. I am who says staff continuity is a big deal. It's like staff continuity is a big deal if you're dominating. It's not a big deal if you're getting your ass kicked. Continuity continuity was great for Dabo, right? Like Dabo built his, his entire thing on continuity. And he's going back to that well now. But as he promoted within. Right. Not only yeah, it's funny go off on a slight tangent, like uh he only ever promotes from within and his first uh journey through the transfer portal brought him a quarterback who was already once in his program. <laughs> And Hunter Johnson, like the guy, doesn't do anything that's not anything that's not yeah. familiar. Yeah, that's going to come back to bite him in the ass. Also, makes no like I don't think that Hunter Johnson's going to play. No, no, not that. I just mean I like I mean yeah. banking on huffing your own farts, as I like to call it. Uh, I, I think comes back to, is, to to bite you in the end. Is Dabo promoting within Dabo's way of being arrogant without saying anything arrogant? Yeah, yeah, of course. You think your way is the best way? I'm like, listen, you have two rings. I get it. Like. But he also might be a genius. I know people on this podcast don't like Dabo Sweeney, but I think the jury is out still because the ACC is a very winnable conference. They still had a very high average player rating in their class this year, despite the fact that it's kind of down there in the rankings. It was a small class. Mm -hmm. If DJ Uyunglele is not who you think he is, and then Cade Klubnik comes in and is a badass rocking shit, like Clemson will be the best team in the ACC again. So, you know. Whether or not you can win at the end of the road is always the conversation with these teams, though. Not whether you can win your conference. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't think to bring it back to Ohio State. Like the, I don't think the answer is always go outside or always keep it familiar. I think you need some balance of the two. And like Ryan Day did that, and when he first took over, like his he blew up the defensive coaching staff, but they've had like incredible coaching continuity on the offensive side of the ball. And when I was writing a story that I wrote earlier this week, I, I. I like didn't mean to stumble upon this, but I did. Since the 2018 season, like including that 2018 season, there have only been three offensive assistant hires, and that was Mike Yersich to replace Ryan Day as quarterbacks coach, uh, Corey Dennis to replace Mike Yersich, and Brian Hartline to replace Zach Smith in 2018. And over that same time span, there have been 13 different defensive assistants. Wow. It's pretty insane. Yeah. I didn't know that. You wouldn't go look that up? Yeah, because I went back. I went back through all of Ohio State's old programs back to Earl Bruce's first season to look at every coaching staff to see how often they've had this kind of turnover. Um, Trestle never, other than years when there was a head coaching change, Trestle never did. Cooper did three times, and Earl never did. But there were guys who were like assistant coaches at Ohio State for like fifty years between Woody let's and play, Earl. Let's play. Let's play a game and see if we can make a third Earl Bruce reference before the podcast is over. Um. I also think that part of that bill is that the standard has changed. And when you think about what happened in the last year that caused this overhaul, and again, the sports changed, and I know that you know the playoff exists in a time that it didn't before, and comparing it to those people and, and those times is different. But this, was, this used to be a successful year, mm-hmm. what Ohio State had. Yep. If Ohio State would have had that in 2008, people would have been happy about that. Well, not, you know what I mean? not losing to Michigan. Not losing to Michigan, but I mean the end result of winning the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So it's f- it's funny to me that if you go back and you look at Ohio State's coaching turnover history, which I think is a really good idea that you did that, Um, you know, I, I don't know if things have ever been bad enough at Ohio State to feel like they need to require it until we got to this point where it's either win a national championship, don't lose to Michigan, or you suck, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, shift. And I and again, I know we like to joke about Urban. Um, a lot of people do. But I think that the shift in Ohio State football originated with him. And even though he's not here, and, you know, we make jokes about not hiring from his tree, Ohio State football is different as a result of what he built it into, and Ryan Day is still under the umbrella of like what that means, mm-hmm. and he's still adhering to that those standards. And a two loss season and a loss to Michigan is warrant it warrants what he did, you know. And I yeah. think that's just something to keep keep track of because it's so easy, you know. I think as we get removed from the urban era, people like to forget how important he was and i don't know if i'm smelling his farts or not you know you can call me that but the man changed ohio state forever yeah he did he i mean he also like his pitfall in a lot of ways was 
the stuff we're talking about, like not making the right hires. That's right. When he had to make them. And it was the case at at Florida as well. And when his guys were out the door, he struggled to bring in the right one. And and like, granted, he definitely nailed some. Like Tom Herman was great. Chris Ash was great. Uh, Ryan Day was great. Um, But, but certainly he had, had uh, his share of misses as well. And, And this is Ryan Day missing in his I guess like second chance to do something like that and trying to trying to correct that wrong I guess is is the way to put it looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 U.S. based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I made this point on the Stars Matter podcast with Mitch Light, and we always talk about Ari Wasserman's pie chart of coaching responsibility, and I always like to over, uh, over-calculate recruiting in there because I like to make a point, but I think it's like 80% recruiting, 5% program building, whether it be infrastructure, you know, culture, all that, whatever that word means in the coaching circles, um, 5% strength and conditioning, 5% X's and O's, and I think 5% uh, coaching hires. When I used to be 85% recruiting, I wanted to add an extra 5% because assistant hires are very, very important. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is a you thing or a me thing, but I was thinking about this earlier today before our podcast, or a Doug thing. But one of us, back in the day, back in Buckeye Talk days when it first started, did we have an entire show about how coaching staffs are overrated and that they're not that important? Like, was that a Doug take? I think, yeah, a Doug take is that every assistant coach is replaceable. I think that's true. If, oh, yeah, unless you, yeah. unless you don't replace them. <laughs> yeah, unless you, yeah, unless yeah. you replace well, them. Unless you, duds, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because it is an interesting dynamic because I, I think that it's very easy to underestimate the importance of a recruit. I mean, not a recruit, a coach because of his recruiting acumen what he brings idea-wise that can help shift the paradigm of the way that they operate on offense or defense. And then, of course, how much pushback he might have with a head coach who's stubborn. And I'm not implying that Ryan Day is stubborn, but if Jim Knowles can come in here and run the show like he's the head coach of the defense, the way that you said long before Jim Knowles was even hired, then I think that you have something there. Mm-hmm. But if he comes in and it's just more of the same view of what Ryan Day wants to vision his offense and they can't change stuff, which I would, I would be shocked if Ryan Day operated that way because then why hire him to begin with? Right. Um, but it's an instrumental piece to the puzzle. So, you know, I don't know if I would lose sleep over losing the running back coach, you know what I mean, or the defensive line coach. In a normal place, obviously losing Larry Johnson would be, would be pivotal. Um, but when you have the right coordinators, I think that's the biggest thing because the coordinators, in theory, should be the head coach of their side of the ball. Yeah, and, and I, think they, I think they have that here. Which is like the main reason why I'm, I I think for the most part Ryan Day did did a good job with assembling this staff. I mean, over time that'll that'll prove itself out. But Tim Walton and Perry Eliano did kind of come out of nowhere. Like I don't of all the names that I was kind of being heard thrown around in the last two weeks, I never heard either of those names until like right before they happened. Um, so they were kind of surprising hires. But I think there's reason to be intrigued by both. Like Eliano. Like, Cincinnati had the best corners in college football last year, um, and he helped develop Sauce Gardner. and And Kobe Bryant was a Thor pointer because uh, working with Perry Liano as a safeties coach. And also, he seems to have pretty solid recruiting chops. Like he got a four star prospect from Alabama to commit to Cincinnati. Um, has ties in, in the South. He's from Texas. Like I, I like all that. Um, and I also like even though, like Tim Walton probably doesn't have a similar kind of track record, but. He is a former Buckeye, which I like a lot. He has the combination of NFL and college experience. He's been a coordinator at both levels. Like there's a there's a depth of experience there that I like a lot. Like if he would have hired Tim Walton as defensive coordinator, I would have been like, what the hell? 
put Tim Walton as your secondary coach under an experienced head coach on the defensive side of the ball. It's like, yeah, I can get behind that. I'm interested in that. How many ace recruiters do you need on both sides of the ball? Uh, I think you make the argument that it's two. Two, yeah. And I don't, I'm not even 100% convinced that one of them needs to be the coordinator. Because I yeah. don't think if you were to, if you were to rank the defensive coaches by the recruiting chops based on everything we know right now, it's like Larry Johnson is first, Eliano is second, and then it's like Tim Walton. We have no idea because he hasn't been in college football for over a decade. And then Jim Knowles does not have this outsized reputation as a recruiter, but I'm not sure he has to if his job is like take the pieces that your assistants bring you and mold a like awesome defense out of it. Like that's I also it. think too that like. Ohio State has been so much talent and not enough scheme. I could not agree more. I think that's true of a lot of college football at the highest level. These teams that are uber talented just don't do a whole lot. Um, so, like, I'm if you're going to, but when it all comes together, though, it's insane. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I and it's like I don't even know. You could probably make the case. Like, where would you put Ohio State's creativity and vision on offense? Pretty high. I think Ryan Day's passing game is pretty legit, like among the best, I don't know, three or four in the sport. Okay. The run game, not so much, but I think Justin Fry helps that now. Um, But the passing game, yeah. The passing game seems like it's the real deal. Yeah. I get behind that. Defensively, obviously, it's an F. Yeah, I mean, they did did one thing for two years, and then in the third year tried to mix it up a little bit and – I don't know if the end result was any better, but um, I think I think with Knowles, you will have a level of creativity on that side of the ball that, that hasn't been here in, in my time covering a team. And, and listen, when you're as talented as Ohio State is, you don't have to be uber creative, as you just kind of said. Like, I don't think they were super creative on defense in 2014. Had a lot of dudes. They weren't super creative in de- on defense in 2019. They had a lot of dudes. Um, they don't have a lot of dudes right now, so I think they, they need to be creative. Um, maybe in time they will get back to having – fielding those kind of defenses where there's first round talent all over the field that they're not going to have that in my opinion in, in 2022 so i think that's where jim Knowles' creativity and game planning sort of you know comes comes more to the forefront there but but either way i think i think this is a team that is going to or, or a defense defense maybe that's more going to like more or less kind of mirror what ryan day does on offenses i think ryan day's passing game in particular and offensive mind in general is is pretty forward thinking and I don't know if the defense has been so much of late, but I, but I think it will be under Jim Knowles. I think an important thing, too, to, to bring up on these discussions, too, is some of the guys that are coming back that we haven't touched on on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like DeWan Jones uh, announced he was coming back, and Zach Harrison is coming back. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which of those two do you think is a bigger deal? I don't know. I think it's DeWan Jones. DeWan Jones, probably. Yeah. If they didn't have... If they didn't have Dewan Jones coming back, I don't know what they would do. There's not like I guess you could maybe play Donovan Jackson at tackle or try like Josh Fryer at tackle or maybe more likely try to go in the portal and get someone, but like the the bona fide tackles on this roster are Parrish Johnson and Dewan Jones, and that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, which like welcome to the program, Justin Fry, go find some tackles because you desperately need them. Um so that's a major deal, but I am also. And I don't know, like Donovan Jackson would be way out of position at tackle. I think he's got. He's. I mean, I don't know. He's big, but like it just he's. He'd be he's like an interior a, guy. He'd be like Jamarco Jones. Like Jamarco Jones is like six four, maybe like a, a shade under six five, and Donovan Jackson's only like six five. But I think he's got some pretty good length. He's got tackle feet, for sure. Um, he just doesn't have tackle height, but I think length relative to your height I think is pretty good and, and he can move well enough to play tackle but he's a guard in the NFL for sure um, and I think you'd rather have him a guard in this offense um, but he could play tackle in a pinch I think he's probably I mean I would, unless like I don't know Ben Crispin or Trey LaRue or somebody is about to make a major jump that we don't know about I would imagine that like your third tackle is Donovan Jackson or Josh Fryer next year yeah yeah, and it's also too like where are you like in the in the realm of like what Zach Harrison's going to be? It's just like is that it? Like is you know? Well, I I what, find what, what's his ceiling? Like it's just like I mean, yeah, it's not. I I think they're going to move him around. Now 
I don't know if move him around means like he's going to play that Leo kind of hybrid spot, or maybe he even moves inside. I think I actually even forgot this. Like in the beginning of the year, we were talking with Zach about his like his playing weight and, and strength and stuff, and he said he was playing like 275 pounds last year, which is like he's a tall dude. Obviously, but I don't think people realize that he weighs that much. And like if you're pushing almost 280 pounds, like you're you're borderline tackle size already. So I wonder if they might try to move him inside, but I think more likely he's going to be in that in that hybrid role, which I think could work out well for him. That's been a productive position for Jim Knowles. The, the kid who played it last year at Oklahoma State, I think, had like double digit sacks and I think like 20, 20 or so tackles for loss. Like I think that's a position where you could see Zach Harrison up his production quite a bit if that's where they choose to use him. Yep. At the. Uh... I was watching the 49ers Cowboys game because my mortgage is on the Cowboys, and I watched Joey, I mean, Nick Bosa. And I think we need to stop comparing people to those guys. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, holy shit, man. Or at least, yeah, just like. There was one play where he, like, picked up, <laughs> basically picked up the Cowboys tackle, and then the cow- the Cowboys tackle fell to the floor and then grabbed him his chest and pulled him down, and he's drew a penalty and still almost sacked the quarterback. Right. And it's just like that to me is so elite that I just, I don't even know if five star prospects deserve that comparison. Well, that's cause that's a, like, it's, I get, you want to compare every five star to every other five star. Like not every five star is a unicorn. There should be a six star. There should, honestly, there should be a six star. I agree yeah. with that. Or there should be way fewer. Wasn't five Nick stars. Bosa a four star or Joey Bosa was no, a four Joey star? No, Joey was right? a four star. Joey yeah. was like Joey was like in the thirties, I think nationally. Nick was yeah. was five star all the way. Yeah, and probably was like, was Chase Young there. a six star. Chase Young's a six star. Yeah, that'd be an interesting story idea. I think if I we like think... ranked all the six stars, like Malik Hooker, was he a six star? Should not have been. coming in, not but coming, coming in, out, but coming out. Yeah, was, yeah. I think uh, I don't want to. I think I think Bill Green might might do this. Bill Green, longtime Ohio State writer, works at Buckeye Scoop now. I think like I think he does, and he and Mark Gilford both like give like six star ratings. Uh, they do. I've yeah. never seen that before. I, will, I maybe I'm wrong, but I also don't want to don't want it to appear that we're like stealing someone else's idea. I, th- I think they do that. Um, okay, but either way, well, I'd I'm like to go with, see who they gave six stars to. Either way, I'm on board with the idea because there there needs to be. It's the same thing when we talk about like ranking recruiting classes, and I was actually just talking with our our uh, shared editor Mitch Light about this because we're working on a project where we're taking recruiting classes into into account. Like the number the number two class and the number nine class are both top ten classes, but like they're not the same. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the same thing goes for individual players. It's like yeah, they're both. Five I think it should be prospects. average player ranking if you're using it as a metric, which might be a good way to solve that. Yeah, we could do it that way. But even then, it's still not – like, even then, it's still – there's still uh, – within within the elite, there is, a, there is a line that separates, like, there's another there's another level to go to there where yeah. guys like Nick Bosa live <laughs> and guys like Zach Harrison, who's a five-star prospect, don't, even if he's a tremendous athlete. I know, athlete, but, like, also when Zach – like, I just don't even know if you can adequately predict that because aren't you the one that said that – not you, but you're the one who always brings it up that like Zach Harrison ran a 40 yard dash in yeah. rain and wearing, wearing clown shoes in like four seconds, and it's just right. like he's a serviceable player, but he's not what he was supposed to be. And if you remember, yeah. like what his recruitment was like, it was a freaking circus, dude. I don't think just having watched him now for three seasons, he's obviously he's got tremendous size. I think he's got great straight line speed. I think in the end he did not have like the kind of bend and like twitchiness if that's the right word to be the Bosa Chase Young kind of guy. But I also think there's a way to use the skill set. But that like he is does Nick have. Bosa more athletic than Chase I mean than Zach Harrison? Yeah, probably. If they ran a race, if they ran a straight line race, maybe Zach Harrison would beat him, but you know, like three cone drill and all that stuff that measures. Dude, just watching Joey Bosa walk around the Woody, you would not think he's that athletic. He was. I mean, if you're just looking <laughs> at him, you, do you know what I mean? Nick is, Nick is also tremendously polished too. Like he's got, yeah. he's got the, he's got the total package. Also, like his great great grandfather was playing defensive end before the creation of football. So, like, I mean, that also helps. Yeah, good like genes. every single person in his family, like that was their entire trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that also takes into account, but the way those guys play the game, the motor. The relentlessness, the unblockability—if that's even a word—I mean, 
No, I think that I think that's it. Yeah, it's like down to down. You can't block this person. And Chase, Joey, yeah. and Nick were that way, and Chase Young was that way. Um, yeah. Zach and and Zach has not been that way. And and I'm not. And I I think this was actually part of the over unders. Like I think there was some t- anticipation maybe he would grow into something like that this past season. It didn't happen. But, but I, I think that the thing is that you can't. Right. I think I think like that's my whole thing, Bill. Yeah. Like whenever I go like the, the first season, you can tell it's like Chris Olave. That dude was special. And it's like you can't grow into that. Like I, I don't know how, who was the last time. Well, I don't know if that's true because like Chase, like Chase Young wasn't a monster his freshman year. I don't know. I think it was pretty evident what that was going to be. I mean, you can look at him. It's like, oh, I think the kid's going to be good. And it wasn't even a phys- I mean, there's just like certain. I don't know. I don't know if I'm understanding or if I'm. Explaining I get. This I right. get what you're saying, but I don't think it's. A, I don't. I don't think it's. So a like, hard I guess truth. if you'd put Chase under that umbrella, it's just like, how many people came to Ohio State and you didn't know they were going to be Nick Bosa and then turned into Nick Bosa. Like, even if Chase Young qualifies for that idea, like, I think the answer to that question is less than three. It's like when Braxton Miller showed up to Ohio State, he was a star. He didn't teach him the way that he moved. That's a six star. It's like how many, like, Michael Thomas, maybe? Yeah. But even then, he didn't reach his pinnacle of athleticism, or, like, not athleticism. Production. That's innate, but production or ability till he reached the league, you know? Mm-hmm. But also, that catch that he had in the Sugar Bowl was like, oh, if I were a... NFL GM, all I would need to do is see that one play to know what I got. Yeah. Like, sometimes I think in the NFL draft process, your Bill Landis Christmas is what it's called. There's just so much overthinking, and it's just like, oh, yeah, that dude that just made the craziest athletic catch where he got both of his feet down or got his foot down. It's like the Jackson Smith and the Jigba play in the back of the end zone his freshman year. It's like that's all I would ever need to see to know. You know what I mean? It's just like at a certain point, you got to let go of, you know, we do this every offseason. of like, who's who are the five players that can grow into being a star? Or like, what was that thing that we were talking about earlier today? Or I mean, earlier this year where we were comparing Ohio State's defensive players to the defensive production that, you know, happened during the 2014 season. Like, you needed dudes to develop. Mm-hmm. It's like Darren Lee freshman year was like a stud. You know what I mean? And he was a developmental prospect. So it's just like. His second year. He was a retro freshman. His second year. Yeah. yeah. Um, you get what I'm saying. When it happens and when they're there, it's early. And it's evident early. It's like Denzel Burke. No shit. This guy's going to be awesome. You know what I mean? Like the guys that are awesome early are usually the ones that are the biggest stars on the team. Yeah, I think I think that's true. But I also... Trey want, Anderson, awesome. Because I think... Uh, this is part of the over-under, too. Put a pin in... Why don't you just go to it, then? No, because I want to say... I want get to get a little more thing. Put a pin in that for one second. Um, and let's talk like for a few minutes about Kerry Combs, okay? Because you had a you had a tweet about Kerry Combs when it was clear that he wasn't going to be coming back. He's now going to Cincinnati to be the special teams coordinator and cornerbacks coach under Luke Fickle. Al Washington also got a new job. He's at Notre Dame. He's going to be the defensive line coach. And Marcus Freeman's uh, hiring strategy seems to be to just hire people from Ohio State because he also hired James Laurinaitis and he tried to hire Brian Hartline. Um, but anyway, Kerry Combs. Moving on from Ohio State in, you know, like not on the greatest terms, I think maybe like sullies a little bit what people might think of him. Although I'm not, I'm not sure that's entirely true because um, I think there is an appreciation for what he was before the stint as defensive coordinator. But it is a little, I don't know if noteworthy is the right word, but it feels like worth talking about a little bit like him, him kind of going out his, in his second stint in Ohio State this way. This way, meaning like not welcome back or been given. It's the not that he's not welcome to, back. It's just that like he's yeah. he not was welcome br- back in his previous position. He was brought in to do a job, didn't do the job well, and the end result is like he's leaving without ever like succeeding in the job he was brought in here to do. After spending, you know, the better part of a decade as like an excellent recruiter, an important part of a team that won a national championship, and one of the best cornerback yeah. developers in the country. I think that people who are rational or seasoned Ohio State fans that don't just remember what happened the previous year. We'll always look at him. And I, I think the the tweet that I had is, I know things didn't go the right way for Kerry Combs in the last year or two. But as he leaves Ohio State or something in these terms, it's important to appreciate and recognize how much of a tremendous asset he was to the Ohio State football program the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a tremendous amount of I agree with yous on that tweet. So I think that the the, the regular Ohio State fan, for the most part, you know, when you're talking to somebody who usually gives the wrong fans the most airtime, I think the rational Ohio State fan is on board with that. Mm-hmm. Because like also, too, it's just like, and the reason why we talk about things in, in terms of national championships and all that is, when you win a ring, that's forever, man. You know? And 
he was an instrumental part of that of that piece. And the whole BIA shtick doesn't exist without Kerry Combs. And all those draft picks that that run of corner draft or defensive backs drafted was all Kerry Combs. It was his recruiting. It was his development. And you know, even like Malik Hooker, he recruited right. Like he, he did him, it all. Him and Luke did, yeah. They they got the the five star prospects like Jeff Okuda and you know those guys came in and did a job and got drafted in the first round and they also got guys that weren't highly recruited that went in in the first round. So you know the 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 pregame speeches and the the skull session videos and the screaming at recruits when they come in and developing the corners and being an, a really big asset to the X's and O's of how that position is played. You know, we made fun of him to his face about rotating too much, and he got the last laugh. Like, there's yeah, a did. lot There's a lot of things that that man did for the Ohio State football program that should be remembered far more than what happened the last two years. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like, and, and perception changes everything, and I guess it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, and, you know, people might be like, oh, it's no big deal, he went to Cincinnati, but it's like, that dude might be the head coach of Cincinnati in three years. It'll be interesting. He's sixty years old. I don't know how much longer Luke's going to be at, at UC. I think. I think this is not me reporting anything. It's just what I think. I think Luke is at UC until he can come to Ohio State, whenever that might be, uh, and maybe that never happens. But I, I think he's there for a while, especially with UC moving to the Big Twelve. Um, so I, maybe that door never opens for Kerry. I, I also think that like Mac programs should consider Kerry as head coach because I, I think he'd do really well in a role like that. But he's also 60, and maybe he doesn't want to do that. I, I have no idea. Um, what I do know is that he's going to kill it at Cincinnati. <laughs> like him, a, a kid like may, might never leave Cincinnati again to go anywhere else. With Luke Fickle and Kerry Combs recruiting down there for that program right now. Yeah, unless it's like I mean I don't know. I guess the thing that you Ohio State fans care about is. If a five-star corner grows up and plays in Cincinnati, is Ohio State going to have a hard time getting that kid? I mean, harder than they would otherwise. I'm not, I'm but not they'll saying. still get him. You, you would hope so, I th- and I think so. Like I don't, yeah, it's not that they're going to start stealing Ohio State's recruits, but um, Luke's thing, and it's the thing with everybody's head coach. But it's it's you, you want to put a fence around your backyard. Pass. Not every Cincinnati coach has done that. Luke's done a very good job, and he'll this will make him even better at that. Because Kerry Combs is great at recruiting, yeah, he's especially great at recruiting Cincinnati, and he opened that door back up for Ohio State when he when he started here at the beginning of Urban's tenure. So um, I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm interested to see what happens with AJ Harris, who's a five star corner that Ohio State was recruiting very heavily with Kerry here. AJ tweeted out that Cincinnati is one of his top schools now. We'll see we'll see how that goes, but that's the kind of cachet that Kerry Combs carries with. Uh, recruits um, and why he was so valuable to Ohio State and why, frankly, I think Ohio State would have liked to retain him in a different role. I totally get why Kerry maybe didn't want to do that and and just wanted to have maybe a clean break after this. But um, there was, I don't I don't think Ohio State suddenly saw Kerry Combs as like not a valuable asset. They just very clearly needed to go in a different direction as defensive coordinator, and this is the this is the end result of that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get to the over-unders. Like I said, we had 17 of them. We did, I think it was about a week before the regular season started uh, in in late August, we did them. Uh, You and I both went 7 and 10. Um, Got different ones right and wrong, but uh, let me start with the one I said I wanted to put a pin on real quick because we were going down there, an interesting train of thought, and I wanted to circle back with this. Uh, One of the over-unders we had on the defensive side of the ball was sacks for Jack Sawyer. And the number I set was five and a half, which I believe was like in between what Joey Bosa did as a freshman and what Chase Young did as a freshman. We both went over. We were both wrong. He only had three. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I start with that is because of what you just said about, you know, when, six star. when a guy yeah. is going to be a six star, you see it early. Like, I don't know if we saw that from Jack Sawyer, but I still think he's going to be awesome. Do you? Yeah. Do you not think he's going to be awesome? I don't feel like he played as much as we thought he was going to play. Well, that was another over-under was total snaps for Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimolowau, which I said at 196, which was the same amount of snaps that Chase Young played as a true freshman. And Jack did not – well, he was under that. He played 173. Yeah. 
I think I would say I didn't see enough of him to make that judgment. I, I think that's totally fair. I think I, I, I would agree with that. Um, and I think he had some flashes for sure. I thought there was a chance that he was going to come out and have like 10 sacks. Like I, that's how much I, how highly I think of him. But if we're having a conversation at this time next year and he has six sacks, then in my opinion, he won't be what we thought he was. Yeah. But I think he's... when I say early in a career, when it comes to six stars, I don't mean just like first half of true freshman year. Okay. Like I mean, I think you can extend it into a redshirt freshman or a sophomore season. Okay. All right. Let me Although just... the greatest of great players usually do show up in some capacity their true freshman year. They do, and and I will say that Jack's Jack's role was not quite what I thought it would be. Um, I think some of that could just be like misplaced deference to older players that maybe shouldn't have happened, which we've seen happen before at Ohio State. Um, yeah, I think I think Jack and and JT Tuimolau both sort of knowing what we know now about how the season went probably should have played more, and if they did, perhaps we'd we'd think a little differently about their first years. But I actually, I, I don't have a problem with either the first year either of their first seasons um all right let me just run through these trevian henderson rushing yards i said at 1403 which is the freshman record we both said under he finished under we were right on that but he had a great year he had almost uh 1250 yards um receiving yards for chris olave and garrett wilson i said at 999 apiece which was to say are they going to have two thousand yard receivers you hedged which made me mad when i went back and listened to it you said oh yeah one of them be over one of them be under but you didn't pick which one would do which um, but I still gave you a win for that, even though I think that was kind of even a though win. I'm a bitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah even though that was kind of a <laughs> way to go about it. Um, I said I said over on both. I was obviously wrong because Chris Olave had 936 yards. He did not go over Garrett Wilson did. And in the entire conversation that we had about receiving yards and who would have a thousand yards, you and I did not say the name Jackson Smith and Jigbo one time. It's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I saw a. Uh, I did not listen to the show, but I saw like Bruce Feldman, I think was on like a podcast or a, a radio interview or something like that earlier this week. And he said he thought Jackson Smith and Jigbill was going to be a top 10 pick next year, which like isn't, I guess, totally out of bounds. But it's like, yeah, really good. And I mm-hmm. think I think Bruce might be right. Um, Blitnikoff Awards won by Ohio State receivers. I set the over at a half. We both said over. That did not happen. They didn't even have a finalist. <laughs> we should have just yeah. We should have kept it at finalist. To be fair, they should have had a finalist, but they did not have a finalist. Uh, so we were both wrong on that. Uh, this one, we were so close. C.J. Stroud total touchdowns. I set the over under at forty five. We both said over, and he finished with forty four. Well, yeah, he didn't have any rushing touchdowns. And let's be honest though. This is about context. It's not about being right. Right. He didn't have any. He didn't have any rushing touchdowns. Which I think you and I were both factoring in. Which is funny because his first career touchdown was like a 60 yard run. Hilarious. Uh, yeah. Oh, he had one against Michigan. He got called back. Does, for does he ever? Does he run? Okay, keep going. I think he won next year. Uh, passing attempts per game for CJ Stroud, I had it at 30. You and I both said over. He was over. It was 36.8, which is like one and a half fewer than Dwayne Haskins averaged in 2018. Uh, these two were funny. Quarterback, uh, quarterbacks will attempt to pass in the Akron game. I said at three and a half. Uh, we both said under. The answer. I think that was just a shit line, bud. <laughs> well, I didn't factor in the account into the equation that the guy who was Ohio State starting quarterback was not going to play that game, and then that Quinn Ewers was going to be quote not ready to play uh, by that point in the season. So they only had two available quarterbacks in that game. So we were destined to be correct, which we both pick under. Uh, the next one was passing. Wins on technicalities are still wins. Passing touchdowns for Quinn Ewers this season. I said it at a half, which is basically asking, do you think he'll have one? We both said over. Should have just made it handoffs. Yeah. We were wrong. We should have seen that coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah we Keep should've. going. We should have saw that one coming. Uh, points per game, 45. We both said under. They had 45.7. <laughs> okay. Which is... I can live with that. I think the second most they've ever had, uh, 2019, was 46 point something. is the most they've ever had. Uh, Sawyer, we talked about. Um, it was five and a half. He had three. We both said over. We were both wrong. Uh, snaps for Sawyer, we talked about. It was 196. We both said over. Uh, he was not over that. I asked the same question for JT to Imolowau. Um Will he have over under 196 snaps 
Uh, you said under, I said over. I was right. He played 286, but he played, he played more. He played 286, and Jack played 173. Like he played significantly more than Jack Sawyer did. That's right. Which is, I don't think the way anyone anticipated the season going, but I think it's a good thing that JTT, which he doesn't like to be called anymore, uh, showed up and was like that ready to play, considering that he didn't join the team until the end of July. Uh, Zach Harrison sacks. <laughs> I said it at eight and a half. Did I say under? Yeah, and you were like disgusted by the number. <laughs> you said you said under. I said over. I was really I was drinking the Zach Harrison Kool Aid. What did I? Well, I was disgusted by saying it's way too high. Yeah, you, like it just you did not seem. Uh-oh. Yeah, so you could because you, you can tell. Okay, keep going. Um, I was wrong. He had four. Uh, Demario McCall interceptions. I had one. Uh, I said over. You said under, and that he wouldn't even play a snap. So you were wrong about that part, but you were correct. Yeah. <laughs> you were correct on the under of him not having any interceptions this year. I was wrong on that. Uh, passing yards allowed by the defense. I said it at two hundred and thirty, which was by way of asking, can you be an average passing defense this year? You and I both said over, and it was over. It was two hundred and forty-five point eight, which is better than it was the year before, but still not great. Um, opponent plays of thirty yards or more. I said at twenty-five. You and I were both under. We both got that right. It was 19, which is not terrible. But this wasn't a defense that gave up a ton of big plays. This was a defense that gave up a bunch of nine-yard plays <laughs> and then couldn't stand up in the red zone and stop teams from scoring. And then the last one, regular season wins, 11 and a half, which is my way of asking, do you think Ohio State will lose? We both said over. We were both wrong. And you said, quote, what are we going to try to make the Oregon game a scary game? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but they had the doors blown off by Michigan. I didn't see that one coming either. So sue me for that. Yeah, I also the reason why the reason why Ohio State's got a new staff is because I was right about the way I was thinking about it. That's right. I would also like to issue an apology uh, to Stuart Mandel because I called him out on the podcast and said. Stuart Mandel said of all the teams he had in this top ten, the most likely to lose three games is Ohio State, and he's a moron. And guess what? Wasn't wasn't all that off. <laughs> yeah. Ohio State lost two games. I think results being results oriented too is not always the right thing. It's just like you can accidentally be right. Yeah. That's true. I'm accidentally right all the time. Most of the time I'm right, it's by accident. And every time I'm wrong, it's because I'm a moron. Okay, my nanny's leaving in 30 seconds. All right, so we went 7 and 10. Those are the uh, over-unders. We appreciate you guys uh, listening to 4 to 6 with A&B. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. I think maybe we'll uh, get into some recruiting, get into some questions as we move here through the, through the month of January now that Ohio State has its staff hires in place and we can uh, stop worrying about what that's going to look like. So thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.